Well, it's it's a bit of an odd morning this morning, you know, having had to deal with the implementation of the vaccine passport. So thank you for pushing through and getting here. For those that are in the room, there's, there's fewer of us here today. Um, there may be more people online. What I'm going to ask, just, you know, our assumption has been that the majority of people are vaccinated and able to come. If you are online today or you're watching it after the fact and you want aren't able to come, can you email us just to let us know. It helps us understand what we're dealing with in terms of people able to come, not able to come, and what's our best way forward. So if uh, either email Shamla, if you have her email, or email us at info at lifehouse.ca if you are not able to come at the moment because uh, uh, you're of uh, your vaccine status or, or not able to get in. Um, we want to facilitate everybody as best as we possibly can. We're looking at different options of what we can do in this season. And we just thank everyone for, for patience in, in pushing through. I also want to remind us that, you know, Jesus hasn't changed in any way, shape, or form by this. Again, we're navigating these situations and these times as best as we can as a community. But the things of God don't change. Jesus hasn't changed you know, in any way, shape, or form. You know, the church isn't any weaker right now. The church doesn't, isn't strong or weak based on what's going on in the world. You know, we're strong or, we, or weak based on where we're at in our own relationship with Jesus. You know, and so, it's actually what I want to be speaking on today and what we're going to. We're starting a new journey as a church. We've been kind of prepping for this journey. We're starting it from a preaching series today. I know some of the life groups have already been starting on this journey and it's, it's a journey of us going deeper as disciples of Jesus. And this morning, I am going to be talking about a couple of things in regards to this. And the main one, if, if, was, if you give it a title, I don't even know if this is the right title, but to give it something that I want you to hold on to is that we need to slow down and be with God. We need to slow down and be with God. Now, we just came through this uh, times of lockdown, especially here in Peel Region, where we were locked down a whole lot, right? And it forced us to, in some ways, it forced us to slow down. In some ways, it created different levels of stress, depending on whether your kids were home with you and you were working from home. There was, it was mixed situation for people. But, but life itself, you know, did take on a different pace. And as we've come out of that time of lockdown, it's so easy for us to go right back into a bunch of busy activity with things. Now, for some, maybe your work days got easier because your kids have gone off back to school and now you're like, oh, okay, I can, I can, it's a little bit easier that way. But when I talk about a slowing down, it's, it's that we would live at a, a pace of life that's sustainable, you know, that where, where we're able to put God's priorities first in our lives. You know, that, we would, that we would pursue Him wholeheartedly you know, in, in everything it is that we do. And so I want to I read a couple of scriptures here for us this morning. The first one is from Jeremiah 6.16. 6, and uh, to give context for this, the prophet Jeremiah is talking uh, to, is, is prophesying just before the Babylonian invasion. He's saying about what's about to happen to them. 
And, and in this, the context of Jeremiah 6, he's, he's saying like, look, there's all these things you've been doing and God's been reaching out to you and you haven't been responding. And one of the things that he says in verse 16, he says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. And he says, but you said, we will not walk in it. And we will find rest for our souls when we are walking in the way that God wants us to. In the case of Jeremiah there, he's speaking to them saying, look, go back to the way of your forefathers. Go back to the time when people actually were obeying God. Because judgment was coming on those people. You know, the Babylonian invasion was coming because they had rejected God. They were no longer walking in his ways. They were doing their own thing, whatever they felt best. Just before this, it says, look, your priests are drunk. You know, there's all kinds of different things going on. That are, just, that are just completely out of line with what God would ask us to do. But you know, we live in this world that's ridiculously busy. You know, it's so busy. There's so many demands on our life. There's so many demands on our time. There's so many things competing for our attention. You know, one of the biggest things competing for our attention is right in our pockets. You know, with the social media and all the notifications and work trying to get at us all the time. But, but it's just one of the things, you know, there's so many things that are competing for our time and our attention in this society. And I believe that God would say to us that we would return to the ancient paths. In our case, the ancient paths is Jesus and walking in his ways, you know, and, um, I'm being distracted by this thing keeps locking up on me. Sorry. The Psalm 119 verse 165, it says, Great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. You know, and it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful scripture there. But even more wonderful for us, for us on, on this side of the cross is what Jesus says. And he says, in, he says, come to me. All who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And this was incredible for the audience that he was speaking to, because for them, they you know, had been trying to you just even live up to Psalm 119.65, great peace, have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. But they were being taught by by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and there's all these religious rules and regulations. They'd added hundreds and hundreds of obedient commands on top of the the law that had been given. People are trying to live up to God's ways and failing and stumbling. And, And the yoke that was being put on them by religion was really heavy. You know, and they were also under a p- a political persecution. They were under Roman persecution as a p- or, uh, oppression as a people. They were conquered people, and so they not only were living under these religious burdens, but they were li- living under all these political and societal burdens because of the Roman rule, which was quite heavy and burdensome on them as well. And Jesus, in the midst of this, is saying to them, "Hey." You know, come to me, my yoke is easy. And they would have understood this because they understood being yoked to the law. 
right? It was a concept for the, his audience that was a Jewish audience. They would have been like, oh, okay, yeah, being yoked. So when Jesus says, come to me, all who are burdened and weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He was inviting them not to be yoked to the law, but to be yoked to him. It was an invitation to being a disciple of Jesus. And he's saying, as my disciple, as you're yoked with me, as my disciple, what you're going to find for me is that I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus told us that he was the fulfillment of the law. You know, he was the fulfillment of the law, scriptures say. Which means that everything that the law taught, everything the prophets taught, you know, Jesus summed up in saying, well, when he was challenged, well, what is the greatest command? He says, love your whole God with all your heart, mind, and spirit, and love your neighbor as yourself. As a disciple of Jesus, the greatest law we follow is that to love. To love God with all our heart, mind, and spirit, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. You know? Jesus didn't set aside the law, he fulfilled it. You know? You know? So as we take a scripture like a, Psalm 119 verse 165 and say, Great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. Well, great peace will come to those who love God with all their heart, mind, and spirit and will love their neighbor as themselves. And we are under a law as a tutor, Scripture tells us. You know, it was trying to teach us how to walk in God's way. And then God came in the flesh, born as, in, as a man, fully God, but fully man, and showed us what it was to walk in God's ways. So for us, our yoke that we take on is the gentle and humble ways of Jesus. And we're to learn from him. We're to learn to walk in his ways. And we have scripture to teach us that. For us, the following the, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, understanding what Jesus did, what he taught, is essential for every single one of us as followers of Jesus. All of scripture is God-breathed, scripture tells us. It's all useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting. But not all of scripture is going to teach you how to follow Jesus. The Gospels will teach you how to be a disciple of Jesus. Some of the letters of the New Testament will teach you to be a disciple of Jesus. And the Old Testament and the prophets and the Psalms and things will teach us about a relationship with God and give us history about a relationship with God. And it'll point us in the right direction on things. And they're, they're so, all of Scripture is essential for us. But may we take on the yoke of Jesus and learn to walk in His ways. In everything that we do. Not with religious burden. And not with the licentiousness of the world. And not feeling oppressed by the world. And so, practically, in our society, there's a few things that get in the way of our walk with Jesus. And we're going to examine these over the next few weeks. There's a couple of them that I'm, I'm going to focus on today. And the main thing that I'm focusing on today is that we're really okay with the church being emotionally immature. That 
we, you know, if we look at what we hold up as good followers of Jesus, so often it in no way reflects what Jesus said and taught. It actually more reflects the ways of the world and the busyness of the world and good organizational behavior. You know, you could be a good employee and use the same principles as a good follower of Jesus because as long as you come and you connect and you grow and you serve or whatever different three things like get involved in the church and serve, well, then you're a good follower of Jesus. You may be, your marriage may be a mess. You may be stressed out, freaked out. You may be not sure how you're coping, but as long as I come to church and I'm serving, I'm following Jesus. That is not the gospel. That's religious oppression. That's religious impression of today. But what Jesus invited us into is a relationship of transformation. A relationship where, where we come to him and we allow him to bring about true transformation in our souls. The amazing thing is, is that he gives us what we need. This is not our own effort that brings around along our transformation. It's Jesus working in us and us giving him the space and the time to work in our lives. And it's where the truth of Scripture is so important for us. Because it's those words become alive in us. You know? But it's not just Scripture. It's that having the time to be. Because you know, I can frantically, oh, I've got to read my Scripture today. Gotta, okay, I'm going to read, read this line. Okay, good, I've checked that box off. But it can do nothing for us. Because if we don't sit and, and do what Jesus did, we don't meditate on the word, if we don't allow it to become alive within us, then it doesn't matter how many things we quote, it doesn't matter how many things we read, and it can go in one ear and out the other when we hear it. It can go in our eyes, but not, not, we don't retain it. And for us, this thing of emotional maturity has got to be so important. How do we know that we're emotionally mature as Christians? Well, we start measuring what's or, or spiritual maturity by our ability to love God and love others. That spiritual maturity isn't how 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 passionately I pray. It's not it's not, you know, what I look like on the outside in any type of outward religious behavior. It's who am I when I go home? Who am I you know, for all the other hours of the week when I'm not in church or I'm not in a cell group meeting or I'm not in front of people. And, you know, because so often it's really okay for us that we're not being transformed as long as we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. That we're, you know, okay, as long as I'm doing the different tasks and doing the different things, but if I'm not being transformed on the inside, eventually that may happen. Maybe if I do a little bit more, I'll get transformed. But that's not what Jesus said. Yeah. He, do, he didn't actually talk a whole lot about activity at all. What he did is talk about our relationship with him. What do we truly believe? And in his culture, in speaking to a Jewish culture, you didn't believe something the way we do today with a Greek understanding of things where I've just got a bunch of ideas in my mind. It's what can I live you don't know something until you can live that thing. So until you have peace, you don't really know peace. Right? Until we live from a place of joy, we don't really know what joy is. You know? Until we truly have faith, we don't, we don't really know what faith is. 
And we live in a society, because ideas are so important to us, that we love ideas, we're bombarded by ideas. Man, today, there's so much information. I mean, I just pull this little computer in my pocket out, and I can look up pretty much anything that I want to. Google can give me all kinds of different answers. I can get information and information and information, but I can have very little knowledge and absolutely no wisdom. None at all. But until we slow down, until we allow God in to really work in our lives, these things will never take root and grow. So the other thing that we do is that we ignore our emotions. You know, we elevate the spiritual. And, you know, we make a big deal about the spiritual, which often isn't even spiritual. You know, it's actually, we just make this big deal about, you know, different religious practices and we elevate these different things and kind of like I've already spoken about. But where are our emotions at? Because God created our emotions. They're not of the devil. God created us and he created us with emotions. Jesus, when he came as a man, had emotions. We see them in scripture. He got angry. In his anger, he didn't sin, but he still got angry. You know, he was cried he, when, when he wept, when his friend died. Emotions were a very real thing. And they're very real in our lives. But we don't pay attention to them. Or we, we're actually taught to suppress them, that they're not a good thing. You know, that we've got to just push through. Don't get emotional. Just push through. But those emotions that we have are real indicators of where we're actually at of what's really going on inside of us, where our soul is at. And for us, when we elevate, when we just focus on the spiritual and we don't, concent- don't pay attention to the emotional, we miss the cues that tell us that something's wrong, that we're not growing, or, or that we're, we're maybe going a little farther than we should. We're maybe going faster than we should. We're doing more than we should. We're taking burdens on that are not burdens we should be taking on. Because remember what Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. And so we've got to, as followers of Jesus, have rest for our souls. It doesn't mean everything's perfect, doesn't mean everything's good all the time, but we look at the examples we've got in people like Paul, you know, and who could be chained up in prison and singing hymns, be in joy in a place of suffering. It didn't, I know I'm sure he wasn't happy to be there. It wasn't where he wanted to be, but despite what was going on around him, he was able to stay centered and grounded in Jesus because he'd done that. But that took, that's years of training. That didn't just happen in an instant. That's years of ministry that we, he was doing. And you don't have to be in ministry to get to that place. And we, we do this by repetitive behaviors, repetitively taking care of our souls. Repetitively paying attention to where we're at and, and being honest with where we're at and dealing with that in our lives. You see, God isn't fooled by where we're at. And he's not judging where you're at either. He's going, my son, my daughter, I love you. I'm well pleased with you. Will you come 
Come and take the yoke of Jesus upon you so you can find rest for your soul. Come and come back to these ancient paths where you'll find peace. Come back to a love of my ways where you'll find peace. The world's ways are not God's ways. You know, they're not God's ways. Corrie Ten Boom. You, know, you may know she was someone that was in a Nazi concentration camp. She survived that camp, went on, was used in many different ways, signs, wonders, and miracles by God. And she would quote, would say that if the devil can't make you sin, he's going to make you busy. You know? But it's not the way our world works. I know it happens in my life all the time. It's right, right? I'm trying to go on a particular path, and, and, and the, enemy, the enemy just makes me busy with a bunch of different things. One of the biggest things I'm trying to learn in my life is limits and how to say no and to limit things. You know, being honest that over the last few months, I got way too busy, exhausted, drained. And then everything in my soul tells me because I, it, I just, I'm not in a good place. But we, we so often try, and before I would have been like, oh, I got to get better at being good and not in a good place. As opposed to, no, what I've got to do is learn how to live within limits. I've got to understand that I'm limited. Dallas Willard, one of the guys that I love to, to read and, and listen to, he would say that hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And it's truth. You know, the truth is that both busyness and sin have the exact same effect on our life. They cut us off from connection with God to other people and even to our own souls. Yeah? The devil can't make you sin. He'll make you busy. It's like we just go, oh, I just don't, we just don't have time for this. We just don't have time for that. We just don't have time. I was listening to someone recently on, on some time management stuff, and it's like, we've got to stop saying we don't have time and just go, actually, I'm not willing to make time for that. You know? And start going, we've got to prioritize what we can make time for and what we can't make time for, and then start going, hey, what, what am I prioritizing? Because where we, where we give our time to will show us our priorities. Now, Again, we live in a world where Jesus never said that we're not supposed to work, that we're not supposed to do different things. There are certain things that are going to take our time, and our time is limited. So it means we're going to have to say yes to some things and no to other things. And that's okay. It's okay. Because we have different seasons and different limits, and we don't have to do everything. You know, our, we're not going to get to heaven and God go, look at all the things you did. Look at, how, look at all the things you checked off. You know? Jesus said, did I know you? you know, did you know me? Did you know me? The famous psychologist Carl Jung, who came up with the concept of introvert and extrovert, he also came up with the found, uh, framework that was used in the Myers-Briggs, which you've probably done some point in time in your life, personality assessment. He would say that hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. Now, there, there can be a healthy kind of busyness where your life is filled with things that matter. Jesus, by definition, was busy. You know, he always had something to do. He wasn't just sitting around doing nothing. But in the midst of all his busyness, he knew how to withdraw and be with God 
He knew how to set boundaries and priorities. When people wanted him to do things that was not what his father had for him to do, he would just say no and he would disappear. You know? He would quite often do that. He, was, he grasped that he could only disciple 12 people. And he was God. 12. Right? He spoke to thousands, 5,000, but 12 people was his limit in terms of the relationships that he could maintain and, and do over three and a half years. 12 people that he chose as his disciples. Well, there's maybe some more on the peripheral. Maybe, again, we don't know all that from Scripture. We see different things. But at the end of the day, we've got to be real and recognize that our job is not to change this world. The first and foremost thing is that we change ourselves and then we maybe get to change people, a few people around us, have an influence, an impact, and we change each other. But we keep having goals that are not our. We keep talk, often what the world tells us to do is, is take on God's job. And it doesn't surprise me that it does that because from the world's point of view, we're all our own God. Right? And so we're trying to change the world and losing our souls in the process. You know, scripture says, what is what does it matter for you to gain the whole world but lose your soul? We... we, we <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> this new speed of life that we live in, you know, all these devices we have, all the technology, it was supposed to make our lives simpler. It's supposed to give us more leisure. I don't, I, has it, happened for, it certainly hasn't happened for me. I don't think it's happened for many people, right? The reality is, is it's made us more and more busy. Because there really is, like, you know, I'll go off track a little bit here for a second. But you look at the things, the, the world is basically founded on greed and a few people getting well, really, really wealthy. And the rest of us working our butts off to try to make, you know, with little teases of, of well, if you, can, you can have this if you just work this much harder. How much of that is in our workplaces, right? You know, well, if you can just do this, we'll give, you this, we'll give you this little crumb more if you can. And we're programmed by that world to constantly go after the more. What did Jesus say? He says, don't work for the bread that's going to spoil. Work for the bread that's going to give you eternal life. We all have to work. But we can put limits on that work. We can put limits on what it is that we do. We can put limits on how we use our time. You know, please, we, we talked about needing volunteers here at church, and we do. But do that within limits. Do that within limits. I don't want you volunteering here at the expense of your relationship with Jesus. You know, at the same time, many hands make works light. So the more of us that get involved, the less that there is for other things to have to do. But we're honestly, as a church, just going, hey, these are our limits. So we can't do this if we don't have the people to do it. We can't do this if the, you know, this is the reality of what we can do, what we can achieve. We're not going to try to do more than what we're able to do based on, on things. Because, you know, we, we need to, we don't want to burn anybody out. <laughs> we want to put into practice the very things that God is teaching us and showing us. Yeah. So Walter Adams, he was the spiritual director to C.S. Lewis, who, uh, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia author. And he said, to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. 
Obviously, the most you know, well-known scripture on all of this is Martha and Mary. And if you don't know that scripture, I'll read it to us from Luke 10, 31, 38 to 41. And it says here, as Jesus and the disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. So for us, let's, as we go on this journey together, really pay attention to our souls. Let's pay attention to our emotions and ask ourselves, you know, are we having time to just be with God? Are we putting that time into our lives? One of the things I'm personally learning is that time management is really important you know, because then it helps me know what I can say yes to and what I can say no to so that my schedule doesn't actually get that busy. I've got to budget my time because you know, I can't say yes to everything. And I need to make sure that I'm saying yes to the right things, the yes to time with Jesus, yes to having time in my day to, to just you know, be quiet and pray, to meditate on the word. So if that freaks anyone out when I use the word meditating, meditating not in the Eastern sense, which is to empty your mind, but meditating in the Christian sense is to fill your mind, fill your mind with Christ, fill your mind, maybe meditate on the word. It's like, I take this scripture like Martha and Mary and just meditate. Okay, God, speak to me about this. I want to think about it. I want this to go deep. You know, when I say go deep, I want to really understand it. I, I want to gain, give me your wisdom, Lord, on this. It's a spiritual experience, not a rational experience. Yeah. And so, but it's something you can do only when you're at rest. You know, it's when I'm stressed out and worrying about a bunch of things, if you sit and try, you know, an exercise to do is try to just sit and think about Jesus for two minutes. But pay attention. Even write down all the different things that start coming into your mind while you sit. For, try Just set a timer for two minutes. You will likely be amazed and, and maybe a little shocked at all the other things that come into your mind. But we're, 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 we're not well-versed in paying attention. We're not taught how to pay attention to what's going on in our minds and so in this, this world where so much stuff bombards us, they're going all the time. And they're going with all the wrong things. So part of this process of us paying attention to our emotions, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling that way? You know, what am I thinking about? It's a real, a real just simple example, and I'll wrap up with this. You know, I watched, I watched a, I was not feeling well yesterday. I watched a show that I've watched before. I watched a few episodes of it because I just was in bed. And, uh, but that show is all about government conspiracy. Guess what starts to happen? 
you know, my mind just starts going about like conspiracy and, and distrust and all these different things. Why? Because, well, for a few hours, I filled my mind with those thoughts. Now, I'm not saying don't watch TV or things along those lines, but pay attention. What I've learned to, my wife has always been much better at this than I have been at paying attention to what is this, either the spirit or the message underlying behind the things that we watch or listen to. Because there always is. And at the end of the day, we're feeding ourselves with something. And it's going to affect our emotions. It's going to affect our, our, it's going to affect our belief systems on, on all kinds of things. Let's pay attention to what we're, what we're eating with our minds, you know, but find rest. Let's, let's find rest for our souls by coming to Jesus, letting him, his words, his ways be the thing that fills us up in all that we do. And for all those online, we love you. We miss you today. For those in the room, thank you again for pushing through today. And uh, I truly believe it's going to be a year of absolute transformation in each and every one of our lives. Amen. Have an awesome week.